minds that plot destruction Sorcerer of death's construction In the fields of bodies burning As the war machine keeps turning Death and hatred to mankind Poisoning Welcome to the Anarchist World This Week, broadcast across Australia on the National Community Radio Satellite. Listen to the Anarchist World This Week, Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. Listen to analysis of local, national, international events. Listen to analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Welcome to the Anarchist World This Week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. If during the program, ASIO raids your premises, which I doubt, if the bloke or the woman next door comes in and wants to borrow a cup of sugar for their drug lab, or if you fall violently ill because of something I say, don't despair. The program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. That's 3cr.org.au. My name is Joseph Tosca. I'm hosting today's program. Don't forget, if you do live in Melbourne town and you're at a loss on Wednesday night, and I can understand why you'd be at a loss in a city of 5 million people with thousands of restaurants, well, you can always join me for dinner as long as you pay for your own food and drinks. At La Porchetta, 392 Raftdown Street, Carlton North. Yeah, that's right, I'll be there at about 6 o'clock. We disappear about 9 o'clock. So come along, you don't have to eat, you don't have to drink, you just want a bit of company for the night, pop in, a bit of discussion, a bit of a laugh. We're not going to change anything, but at least we get together and get away from that virtual madness around us. If you're wondering what anarchy is all about, simple. Very simple. You don't need a PhD, a Doctorate of Medicine, Bachelor of Arts, a plumber's degree, nah, or even a pre-apprenticeship training course. Very simple. Anarchos without rulers. An anarchist is somebody who would like to create a society without rulers. Not without rules, but without rulers. What gives rulers power? Inequalities in power and wealth. Anarchism is about devolving power and it's about holding wealth in common. Simple concepts, nothing radical. Human race has been struggling with these ideas for uh, thousands of years. Some have succeeded, some have failed, some have tried like we are. So that's what anarchy is all about. So if you are interested in that, keep listening. And obviously anarchists are also involved. We don't sit back on our little... Stools waiting for the right moment for the great revolution to occur, which obviously never occurs because there are never any great moments. But anarchists are involved in continuing activity at a local, regional, national, international level to improve people's life. It's about putting the welfare and the interests and the power of the many before the welfare interests and power of the few. Simple concept. Now, will we succeed? Time will tell. Will we fail? 
Time will tell. But at least at the end of our life, we can say, I gave it a go. I gave it a go. So, if, you know, that's what life's about, giving it a go. All right, I'm sure you're sick of all this, you know, cheap philosophical shots. So let's get into the real world. Now, normally, I try to keep away from international events because it's hard enough trying to influence local events, let alone international events. But there are a few things that are happening, which I think it's about time I made a comment or two because I have never seen such pathetic reporting and analysis. It is woeful. It is woeful. Whether it's the virtual world, the World Wide Web, the newspapers, the radio, the television, you know, pay TV, you name it. Woeful analysis. Woeful. Even a human being like me with one synapsing neuron can actually analyse what's happening. But somehow we seem not to. We seem to have given, you know, logical thought, a little bit of a... um, We've euthanised it. We've euthanised logical thought. Now, two things that are, you know, capturing the world's imagination, well, the Western world's imagination, maybe not the rest of the world's imagination. One is North Korea and the United States of America. Now, anybody in their right mind knows that North Korea borders with China, that North Korea is essentially a vassal state of China, okay? The last things the Chinese want is a full-blown capitalist, social democratic, representative democratic society on their doorstep. There is no way the North Koreans are going to do anything against China's wishes. And we've seen that every time the dear leader... I like that word, the dear leader, the dearest leader, you know, talks to the airbag, the groper, the president of the US of A, the land of the brave and the three. He goes and has a chat to his North Korean handlers. Sorry, he goes and has a chat with his Chinese handlers. So what we are seeing is theatre, very poor theatre, Bluster and theatre, nothing else. The North Koreans are really good at making terrible propaganda films and unfortunately it looks like uh, the United States of America is on the same wavelength. So it's, it's a very simple concept. It doesn't matter what they say, it doesn't matter what you read, it doesn't matter what the United States of America says about this deal to denuclearise the Korean, North Korea, you know, Korean Peninsula. It's not going to happen. End of story. Sanctions or no sanctions because North Korea borders on China. China does not want a United States puppet state on its borders. End of story. Okay? Now, if the United States president and his merry gang 
can't see that well. They're more, what's the word? They're more, um, you know, no words. Words escape me. Now let's look at Iran. Now that's the next thing that the United States of America, Mr. Trump has got his knickers in a knot about. Now the Middle East is a interesting place. Now let's remember one of the first overseas visits and the first overseas visit that Mr. Trump, President Groper, made to the Middle East was to go to Saudi Arabia. Now while we rail, rail against Muslim fundamentalism, it seems that the home of Muslim fundamentalism, the fine answer of this medieval, you know, philosophy, religious, quasi-religious philosophy, Saudi Arabia, is off-limits. Now, obviously, they've just bought $100 billion of military equipment from the United States of America. And obviously, Saudi Arabia is involved in a number of disputes around the Middle East. In Yemen, they are conducting a war against the local people, which in some regards parallels the Syrian civil war. Now, in Saudi Arabia is America's number two ally after Israel in the Middle East. Number two. It's conducting a number of wars. It's conducting a dispute with Qatar. It's involved in a military dispute in Yemen. It has sent troops into the United Arab Arab Emirates to prop up some of the feudal monarchies in that in that region. It is involved in a war with Iran for supremacy in the Middle East. Simple. Very simple. So the current sabre rattling regarding Iran, the United States pulling out of that deal and threatening the world if they don't follow those sanctions, is part of that plan to prop up both the feudal monarchy, and that's what it is, a feudal absolute monarchy in Saudi Arabia, which faces, obviously, increasing internal dissent. And it's also involved, the the sanctions are about giving their mates in Israel a state which is becoming increasingly racist in their outlook, support. Now, it doesn't take a genius to work out what's happening in North Korea and the United States and what's happening in the Middle East with Iran, Saudi Arabia, Syria, and the list goes on and on. It doesn't take a genius. But so why don't people just call a spade a spade? This is what we saw in the 60s and 70s when world powers were fighting battles 
on other people's territories, creating mayhem and murder, mass destruction, whether it was in South America, whether it was Nicaragua, whether it was Venezuela, whether it was Cuba in the 50s, whether it was the Congo, and the list goes on and on. So what we are seeing is the great powers, in inverted commas when I use the word great, pushing their barrow, fighting their wars with other people's lives in other people's countries. It's simple. Can I do anything about it? No. Can you do anything about it? Most likely you can't. But at least if we understand what's going on, we're not going to be dragged into this good guy, bad guy debate. I mean, in the good old days, it was communist versus capitalist. It was about good guys and bad guys. Now we've got the good guys, which is Western social democracy, and the bad guys, the rest of the world. What a pathetic state of affairs where we can't even get one commentator on the planet to actually call a spade a spade. Listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. Now, I think it's going to be a trivia morning today. Trivia, or a trivia day. Trivia week. Trivia year. Trivia century. I cannot believe every time I turn on the radio, switch on a television set, surf the net, that I am buried in an avalanche of trivia. I can't believe that people who beat their chests about nothing in particular or things that are so minuscule, it doesn't matter. But in the land of Oz, the land of milk and honey, we are happy to prattle on, crap on, talk about the most trivial subjects and somehow think when governments, the local, regional, state, you know, and national level kind of cave in that whoop-de-doo, we've had some type of huge victory that has changed the face of the known universe. Now, there's 2,000 people currently on Manus Island in Nauru, maybe 2,500 people. It's very difficult to get the exact figures, okay? There's over 100 children on Nauru. At the behest of our government, which we elect, are these people, who are not guilty of any crimes, they've been putting bombs under people's houses, they haven't murdered anybody, They've made the mistake of coming to Australia in a boat after a cut-off date was enacted in parliamentary legislation. And for the last five years, these people have been treated in the most horrendous fashion. And while a small number of Australians have been trying very hard, very hard to change government policy 
and resolve this issue, the issue continues to fester. The sore continues to fester. Because when it comes to looking at the big issues, how we treat other human beings, we're not interested. We've decided to leave it to the politicians. It's the same issue in Australia now. Look at the debate in Australia. Look at the debate in Victoria, which is facing a state election on the 24th of November. It's about infrastructure. It's about law and order. It's about African gangs. African gangs? Come on. Get real. Get real. These are blimps. Blimps in our day-to-day activities. Doesn't affect 99.9% of us. While 750,000 people struggle, struggle to make ends meet on a new start allowance, which I think is about $240 a week, we get our knickers in a knot when an opposition leader says that he may, if in government, remove a taxation break which has just been legislated for companies that earn more than, have a turnover of more than $10 million. It affects about 20,000 companies. If you remember, if you cast your mind back a few weeks until the uh, opposition leader was forced to recant, you will see, you will see that what happens when we attempt to actually take a little bit, a tiny bit, away from those who basically have, have the most. While those who have the least, when we make put up our hands and say, more please, can I have more, we slap them down. Extraordinary. 20 years. People have been talking about changing the New Start Allowance. 20 years people have been talking about homelessness. And somehow, as a society, we lack the initiative and the leadership to actually solve the issue. Issues that can be solved within a few weeks, not 20 years. Just extraordinary. Trivia. I tell you something what I, I really love. I really love this. This is the best thing about living in Australia. The land of opportunity, the land of milk and honey. It is the best thing about living in Australia. Because you see, we have governments. That's right. You elect them at a local level. You elect them at a state level. You elect them at a federal level, okay? If you're a citizen, you decide to be on the electoral roll, which is compulsory, you elect them. You make those decisions, right? These people make the laws. And they make the laws within a constitutional framework, which was written 118 years ago. All right, which was adopted 118 years ago, written 128 years ago, 10 years before it was adopted in a referendum. And they work within this 
constitutional constraint. You know? And it's just extraordinary when you actually look at that constitutional constraint. The Australian Constitution is not about protecting your rights. Don't be ridiculous. If you believe that, you'd believe that Santa Claus rides around the world in a Ferrari. He doesn't ride around the world in a Ferrari. He rides around the world in a horse-drawn sleigh, you silly people. But a constitution which basically regulates the relationships between the state governments and the federal government. No, not a word about rights, except possibly the right to follow the religion you'd like to follow. Who cares about that? I mean, you know, if you want to believe in a sky pilot, fair enough. But about the right to freedom of association, which is removed every day in legislation. The right to free speech, which we're told we have. Oh, we don't. We have an implied right to free speech during an electoral period. That's what the High Court has found. And the list goes on and on. Just extraordinary. But what I love, I tell you what I love. What I love is how the private sector gets fat on taxation revenue. Not that corporations pay much tax. But how it gets fat on taxation revenue. Now, I'm going to use the four words. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to do this. <laughs> During the deregulation, privatisation, corporatisation and globalisation phase that we've gone through over the last four to five decades, what has happened, we have seen the public sector. Now, one thing I learnt when I started trying to recruit people for public interest before corporate interests which I'm still doing. You can always join by downloading the application form from pipsy.net. If somehow you think the interests of the many should be put before the interests of the few, interested in direct action, parliamentary and electoral politics together, join. We're looking for new members all the time, you know, the 100 and 150 before we can register as a federal political party. Well, what I learned is how few people understand what the word public means. The word public has been so denigrated by the private sector, by the corporate-owned media, and to a lesser extent by the government guild at ABC, that people think that a public service is some type of second-rate service for losers. Healthcare, public healthcare, public education, public infrastructure, you know. If you want the best... You go to the private sector, boys and girls. You go to the private sector. And what we've seen is the state, both at the federal and state level, wash its hand of its responsibility to its citizens and residents and give that responsibility to the private sector. And we see more and more state-owned enterprises and state-run services being hived off to the private sector. So if you want to make money in this country and you want to make a lot of money quickly, what you need to do is you need to get on the privatisation bandwagon. Because every time a government 
initiates a service, it calls on the private sector to deliver that service. Well, it's a service to homeless people. If it's a service to the unemployed. Remember when, you know, we had a government-owned unemployment agency? Not all, multiple private agencies. Energy production. The National Disability Insurance Scheme. The NAB. Not the NAB. The uh, NBN. The National Broadband Network, which is currently publicly owned, which will be given away to the private sector once all the hard work and the money has been spent. The list goes on and on. So what we see is taxation revenue, and about 70% of taxation revenue comes from pay-as-you-earn taxpayers, not these large transnational corporations who keep making record profits for their shareholders, but, you know, so what we see is 40 cents in every dollar. That's right, 40 cents in every dollar, which is given to the private nursing home sector, the private insurance sector, the private social security sector. I'm not going to use the world welfare the privatised National Disability Insurance Scheme. 40 cents in every dollar goes to the private corporation who normally pay peppercorn wages to employees. 40 cents in every dollar. Things have got so bad that certain sections of the government are now directly funding individuals for services to cut out the middle person and ensure that at least 90% of every government dollar which goes to an individual for disability is used for their care, not used to bolster the profits of some private corporation which is listed on their stock exchange. So what we've allowed to happen in this country is the creation of an economic system which is dominated by the private sector. And those of you who have been following the Royal Commission to the banks and financial institutions will begin to realise what a bunch of crooks these people are. And I'll go into that in a minute because you knew it, I knew it, but for some reason... Nobody else seemed to have known what was obvious to us. You're listening to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. It is streaming via the Community Radio Network across Australia and streaming live around the globe on 3cr.org.au. The program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. You can leave messages on 0439 395 489. You can email me at anarchistage at yahoo.com. Anarchistage at yahoo.com. Yes, you can still write letters, and I love letters, to Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. Post Office Box 20, 
Parkville 3052. You can go to my person, you can go to my Facebook page, Toscano for the public. Toscano for the public. You can go to the Pipsy website, public interest before corporate interest, the PIBCI.net. Download an application form. Join up. Join us at the second Pipsy Congress, which will be held at the Melbourne Unitarian Peace Memorial Church on Saturday, the 18th of August, just around the corner. The list goes on and on. Tons of stuff. So, let's move on. Something a little bit more interesting. The, well, everything is interesting if you're alive. The 16th of October marks a pivotal event in our history. Pivotal event. And those of us who are old enough to remember the good old days, the white Australia policies, not that I remember Federation, the first act of Parliament, which was basically to enact the white Australian policy, will know that Australia has changed to some degree. Apart from the African gangs, okay, to some degree. You know, it was Vietnamese gangs, Cambodian gangs, Italian gangs, Greek gangs, Croatian gangs, you name it. Jewish gangs, went on and on. All right, that's why you've got to laugh. If it wasn't so serious, you would laugh. So, think about it. Just think about what's happening how we are using the language of hate to divide and rule. You know, it's that person over there. It's that woman over there. She's wearing a funny thing on her head. Ooh, that bloke's got a thing on his head. Don't like the colour of that. It's pink. Oh, that bloke's getting married to another bloke. Oh, that's terrible. Divide and rule. Divide and rule. Divide and rule. And this is what I talk about trivia. These aren't trivial issues. They're important issues to the individuals. But essentially, the divide and rule philosophy is there to keep us apart and to stop us finding our common oppressor. And we do have a common oppressor. I'll give you an example. Now, why do you think we have such a high immigration intake compared to the rest of the world? And why do you think that that immigration intake is slanted towards uh, people with some some skills and semi-skilled, but not slanted towards refugees and asylum seekers who we persecute, we love to persecute them as a nation? Well, it was very simple. At the end of the 1970s, it was felt after the demise, the dismissal of the Whitlam Labor government, the most reformist government since Federation in this country's history, that the power of the unions needed to be broken. It needed to be broken. Because they were too powerful. See, they were asking too much. Because in the 70s, 66 cents in every dollar of profit went back to the people who created the profit, the workers, and 33 cents went back 
to the investor. So we thought about increasing the immigration rate. Do it on the cheap. Don't train people. Import them, fully trained. Import them fully trained. Stop training people. You don't want too many educated Australians. They can cause an issue, can't they? You know? Then we had all these fancy visas which allowed people to come in and compete with workers, Australian you know, unionised workers, temporary workers who eventually became permanent residents and citizens. So as the number of temporary workers came increased in the country and as immigration increased, the power of the union movement to protect the rights and interests of its members diminished. And when you added legislation to that little pie, it didn't really get off the ground. The souffle, souffle, souffle was flat. So instead of blaming that small section of society that has made a killing from all this legislation, which is basically alienated many workers in this country, casualised the workforce, divided the workforce, pitted residents against immigrants. Instead of blaming that small section of society that owns the means of production, distribution, exchange and communication, who are the great beneficiaries of this influx, we tend to blame the people who've taken, who've come to this country, taking advantage of the situation and come to this country. It's not their fault they're here. It's not their fault. It's not their fault they're not unionised. If they're unionised, you know, they're not employed. It's that simple. It's not like their fault because they've got a different religious opinion or no religious opinion or they wear different clothes. It's not their fault. But we're told it is their fault. That's why we find ourselves in this situation. We find ourselves in this situation because of government inaction, lack of government policy. That's the reason. Because government has created this situation because it suits the parliamentary puppet masters, that small group that determines legislative outcomes. That's who it suits. That's who it suits. That's who it suits. So that's where we should be focusing our anger. Not on our neighbours, but on that small sex society that owns the means of production, distribution, exchange and communication and that small and that ten percent of Australians who have now become investors in inverted commas, who through parliamentary legislation can actually almost pay no taxation legally while increasing their personal wealth. 
And these are government policies. This is legislation that has gone through Parliament. And those of you who think the current Senate crossbenchers are our saviours, I've never seen a more motley, useless, authoritarian, gutless crew than the Senate crossbenchers. You have let legislation after legislation go through the, the Senate that has a profound impact on Australians, negative impacts. So think about it. Think about it. It's not the other that's the problem. The problem is the capitalist structure. The problem is that we don't have a mixed economy. The problem is the domination of the economic sector by the private sector. You see, there's a new slogan which we're working under, a new slogan. Coordinated corporate corruption. You won't see their crimes on CCTV. Think about it. Coordinated corporate corruption. You won't see their crimes on CCTV. When a footballer lashes out another footballer and breaks his jaw and knocks out a few teeth, you see it on CCTV. When a bloke knocks out another bloke in a public space, you see it on CCTV. When somebody breaks into a shop and does an armed robbery, you see it on CCTV. When somebody commits an unspeakable crime in the 21st century, if it's in a large urban centre, you can usually find out who it is on CCTV. It's real, it's physical, it's there. But when it comes to coordinated criminal activity, coordinated corporate criminal activity, you don't see it on CCTV. It's hidden in the back rooms. And let's not forget the current Royal Commission into the banks and the financial institutions, which is currently hearing evidence was set up despite the protestations of the current Liberal National Party government. They were dead against it. Dead against it. Because they knew that it would reveal such financial atrocities that were hidden from CCTV that the population would be a little bit you know, questioning the old deregulation, globalisation, corporatisation, privatisation mantra. Questioning it. Thinking about it. Think about it. Loyal customers exploited by the banks and the financial institutions. The loyal customers are the ones that are exploited. The dead charged, the living overcharged for services not provided, 
banks involved in criminal activity like the Commonwealth Bank, which was fined $700 million. Easy way out, wasn't it? It should have been renationalised with no compensation to the shareholders as far as I'm concerned. Criminal activity. You won't see their crimes on CCTV because they're hidden in the dark web. That's where their crimes are hidden and you are the person who suffers. Not just in terms of having your life savings ripped off, not just in terms of being exploited, but in terms of them using their power to influence government legislation to ensure they are never brought to account. Commonwealth Bank still makes $9.4 billion profit. Who says crime does not pay? Whoever said that didn't understand coordinated corporate criminal activity. It's not just one bad egg or one rotten apple in the barrel. The whole system is rotting. It's stenching. It's liquefying. It is unfit to provide services to the population. I'll give you an example. Move away from the banking institute. I'll give you an example. Two examples I love. Two examples I love to show you how wonderful the corporate sector is. How wonderful. Now, there's a company called Transurban. It has a monopoly. That's the word M-O-N-O-P-O-L-Y on a little tunnel. Right? And I remember in the dim, dark ages, the I was involved in a little campaign to um, stop Transurban and got kicked out of my suburb for that uh, transgression, and I'll talk about that another day. And this little company has been making money hand over fist. Minimal costs. They built the tunnel. They paid for the tunnel. And now they've recouped, I think, about $7.3, $7.4 billion, and currently they're recouping about ooh, about $2 million a day on their little investment and their shareholders are jumping up and down. One of the most successful toll roads in the history of the universe. Now, Melbourne commuters were hoping that the tolls would disappear because under the original agreement, that's right, under the original agreement, the ownership after, I think, about 34 years will revert back to the state government. Well, guess what? They said to the Andrews-led Labor government, we'll build another tunnel under the Yarra. If you extend our monopoly on the tunnel we currently have for another 20 years, the government said, tick, isn't this a great win-win for the Melbourne motorist? They'll now pay tolls on two tunnels. So for 50 years they'll be making money on investment which cost them less than a billion dollars, which is, you know, reaping millions of dollars every day. That's one example. And I'll give you another example. 
The other example is all the lies that people swallowed in the good old days, you know, 10, 20 years ago, 20 years ago, when the mania was to privatise essential services and Victoria was the leader in the privatisation of essential services. And I'm sure people around the country have been through the same situation where their state governments who are a little bit short of funds decided to privatise essential services. And obviously everybody forgot that essential services were created, paid for by taxpayers in order to provide you know, a service to everyone. You know, not just the user pay. So we've got the electricity market. I love it. Electricity and gas market. It is such a brilliant example of the failures of privatisation. You had one central authority. All the assets were owned by the state government. The state government charged you a fee, okay? And was responsible for the upkeep and expansion of the service. Very simple. Simple service. Privatisation. We now have people who make electricity. Then we have people who own the poles, the transmission lines. Then we have people who sell you the electricity. Then you have people who try to to change you know, your company that provides you with the electricity and it goes on and on. So we had one authority responsible for everything. You know, you've got multiple authorities and you've got all these toothless tigers appointed or created by the state governments to control the activities. And as we know, when you've got toothless tigers, like, you know, you can have all the legislation in the world. But if you don't give those authorities the legislative power and the money to enforce that legislation, nothing changes. What do you think the government has provided a bit of extra money to get ASIC to put people into the major corporations and banks to make sure they actually follow the rules. A little bit like having a cop in your house because you're such a dishonest Charlie or Cinderella. You're to the anarchist world this week. So, look, you don't have to be brilliant, but what you have to be brilliant about, you don't have to be brilliant to understand what's going on. What you have to do is you have to have had enough. Enough is enough. I mean, you can sit at home, surf the net, cry, carry on, have esoteric discussions with trolls, jump up and down, retire to the countryside, but if you don't get involved in action to change this, nothing ever changes. I'll give you an example. Now, I'm currently involved in a campaign called 10 Days in November. I actually initiated this campaign. I went to public interest before corporate interests and asked them whether they would want to run with this campaign to give public interest before corporate interests a little bit of social, a bit of street cred, you know, as an activist organisation. And public interest before corporate interest has taken up this campaign, 10 days in November. So what is the 10 days in November campaign? It's very simple. Now, currently, irrespective of all the garbage and all the pushing and all the shoving that has occurred over the last three to four years, both of the major political parties have their public housing policies set in concrete. There will be an election in Victoria 
on the 24th of November. End of story. Their public housing policies are set in concrete. If you look at the voting patterns of the Liberal National Party and the ALP regarding public housing, if either of these political parties has a majority in the Legislative Assembly, public housing in Victoria is finished. Fini. That experiment is gone. Housing that is publicly owned, publicly managed, will be finished forever. Because the ownership of these properties and the management of these properties will be given over to privately owned, some for profit, some not for profit, privately owned organisations. Some religious based and some not religious based. They call it social housing, affordable housing. We've just seen the Victorian government allocate $2 billion towards promoting this concept and destroying public housing. And we know the Liberal National Party opposition in Victoria's policy is to privatise public housing. End of story. We all know that. And it doesn't matter how many petitions you do and it doesn't matter how many people's door you knock on and how many conversations you have, their policies are set in concrete. Now in Victoria, in the last financial year, $6.3 billion was raised from stamp duty. What is stamp duty? Stamp duty is the tax that people pay when they buy a unit, a flat, a house. You pay the government a tax. Now, wouldn't it make sense in order to revive the public housing sector wouldn't it make sense to allocate money raised from stamp duty, quarantine it for public housing? You can either spot purchase, you can build, you can manage. With $6 billion, you can house in publicly owned and publicly managed housing. You can house 100,000 people every year. You could house 1 million Victorians in public housing within a decade by using that money. You don't need a genius to tell you that. I'm telling you that, and I'm no genius, as you know. All right? My maths is terrible. But I know $6 billion, you can spot purchase or build about 25,000 units or homes. Okay? Very simple. Simple. So that's our slogan. 10 days in November, from the 14th of November, midday, Wednesday, the 14th of November, to midnight, the 24th of November, we will be conducting a peaceful vigil on the steps of the Victorian Parliament House until we are forcefully removed by the state to raise the issue of public housing because public housing is everybody's business. It's not just a matter of housing the homeless. It's a matter of ensuring that anybody who cannot enter the private rental market or the private housing market has the ability to live in secure, stable housing. It's a simple campaign. Go to our Facebook page, Public Housing, Everybody's Business, to get involved in the campaign. Turn turn up. But again, unless there is a hung parliament, unless a group holds, like the Greens or another small political party, holds the balance of power or independence, 
within the Legislative Assembly in Victoria, public housing is finished. And the whole point of the 10 days in November campaign is to give these people who are standing for re-election or standing for election for the first time the ability to have a forum to discuss this issue and to raise this issue in the public imagination because this issue is dead, because the corporate-owned media isn't interested, the Liberal National Party opposition isn't interested, the Andrews-led Labor government isn't interested, the trade unions who have kind of, you know, hoisted their flag with the Andrews government are not interested. The social welfare sector is not interested. The community and social housing sector is not interested because they want to protect their own and expand their own patch. So what I'm saying is you do have a chance to change the course of history. We can change the course of history because ultimate political authority in a democratic society doesn't lie in the hands of the government of the day or the state or the bureaucracy or the corporate sector. It lies in the hands of the people and it only lies in the hands of the people when they exercise that power. So join us from the 14th of November to the 24th of November on the steps of the Victorian Parliament House to ensure that public housing becomes a major election issue in Victoria. Go to the Facebook page. Public housing, everybody's business. Listen to the Anarchist World this week broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. This program has been streaming live on 3cr.org.au. My name's Joseph Roscano. I've been hosting today's program. Leave a messages on 0439 395 489. 0439 395 489. Email me at anarchistage at yahoo.com anarchistage at yahoo.com You can send letters and $1 stamps to help us with Pibsey postage to Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052 Go to my Facebook page Toscano for the Public In Melbourne on a Wednesday night Join me for dinner La Pochetta. You pay your own way That's all you got to do Just pay If you don't eat You don't pay anything You don't drink You don't pay anything But 392 Raff Down Street, Carlton North. Join us 6 to 9pm every Wednesday night. You've been listening to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast via the Community Radio Network. This program has been streaming live on 3cr.org.au. That's 3cr.org.au. Next week, I'll be talking about the Peter Norman commemoration on the 16th of October. Listening to the Anarchist World this week on your local radio station, Next week, thank you for listening to the Anarchist World this week, courtesy of the Community Radio Network. Evil minds that plot destruction, sorcerer of death's construction. An analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Anarchist World this week, Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. 10 a.m. every Wednesday. Listen to The Anarchist World this week for an up-to-date analysis of local, national and international events. Poisoning their brainwashed minds. Oh, Lord, yeah.